supremum non nocere, so states the Hippocratic Oath. Translated from Latin into English, that states, first do no harm. Now for the father of osteopathic medicine, A.T. Steele, that was a lesson that was learned the hard way. But once he had acquired that lesson, thereafter he lived it for the remainder of his life, living by the premise. A doctor has two options when dealing with disease. Either help or do no harm to the patient. Howdy everybody, this is Dr. Lynn Phillips with Osteopaths on Air, a podcast sponsored by the Oklahoma Osteopathic Association. Now this is episode number four, entitled The Horrors of the Civil War, a part of the story of the life and times of Andrew Taylor Still, the father of osteopathic medicine. Seven hundred and fifty thousand Americans perished during the bloody Civil War. The greatest danger to loss of life during the war was not bullets or cannonballs that flew across the battlefields, but rather disease. Sixty percent, three out of every five soldiers that died, died not on the battlefield, but from disease and the incompetence of medical care provided. A.T. Still, as an adamant abolitionist, had successfully fought in the Kansas legislature to make Kansas a free state. So, I guess it was only natural that he continue his fight against slavery when the Civil War broke out. He enlisted in the Union Army as a member of the 9th Cavalry. Early on, he served as a soldier, then as a field hospital supply officer, and finally, he was forced into service as a surgeon, or as he later described his experience, I became a common butcher. The primary job of Civil War surgeons was to amputate mangled arms and legs, and it was also imperative that these amputations be done fast, as quickly as possible, to avoid death from blood loss. Now, the germ theory had not yet been advanced by Louis Pasteur. Therefore, surgeons used no sterile technique. They didn't bother to wash their hands nor their saws and knives between amputations. And the end result was frequently death from blood loss or, if the patient did happen to survive the operation, later he succumbed from gangrene. Now, since no anesthetics were available, as Dr. Still states in his autobiography, those operations were brutal, little more than torture chamber, butcher shops. The patient would make blood-curdling screams while he was being held down by two strong men as the surgeon sawed off his arm or his leg. Stories of battlefield amputations became legend. One Union surgeon boasted of performing an above-the-knee amputation in less than three minutes' time. 
However, the procedure resulted in the death of two men. The patient died from blood loss, and because of the haste of the surgeon, his assistant, who was holding the leg, had two fingers amputated accidentally, and the assistant died two days later from gangrene. Now, there is another legend that tells of a surgeon who was forced to perform amputations during a battle in a makeshift operating room in the basement of a one-room schoolhouse. He amputated arms and legs until he could no longer continue. The reason he could not continue? The blood in the basement became waist-deep and covered the operating room table. Well, after an amputation, if any drugs were available, wounded soldiers were given liberal amounts of morphine, laudanum, cocaine, or whiskey to treat their suffering. The end result for those that did survive was frequently a lifetime of drug addiction after the war. Other diseases that soldiers succumbed to during the war included typhoid, tetanus, typhus, cholera, and dysentery. These ailments were unwittingly treated with toxic drugs like arsenic and mercury. It was in this milieu of the Civil War that Dr. A.T. Steele was thrust into service, and it was these horrific experiences that impacted A.T., and caused him to begin to question the way that medicine was being practiced. He described the time and the experience that he encountered during the war this way. I became a common butcher and the grim reaper of death. Yes, these events and experiences left a scar on the psyche of Andrew Taylor Still that lasted a lifetime. However, if any good did come from these experiences, it came in the form of causing A.T. to become introspective about the way that medicine was being practiced at the time. When Dr. Steele was discharged as a major at the end of the war, he returned home and resumed his own practice of medicine. However, he did so with trepidation and some reservation. For he felt a growing abhorrence toward the remedies that constituted medical practice at the time. He noted in his autobiography, After the war, when I returned to my home in Kansas, I noticed that in places that had had no doctors during the war, well, in those communities, no children had died, and that was my first realization that the treatment is many times worse than the disease. Dr. Still began to believe that doctors were actually breaching the Hippocratic Oath. The quote that came to mind, first do no harm, is a quote that caused Dr. Still to consider the notion that there had to be a better way, less harmful way, to practice medicine. Thus, another seed of osteopathic medicine was planted 
in the mind of A.T. Still. But it was not to be the final seed to be planted for the birth of osteopathic medicine. No, that was yet to come, and it was to occur only a short time later, when another series of tragic events occurred in the life of Andrew Taylor Still. We'll hear those stories and more in our upcoming episodes of our podcast, Osteopaths on Air, brought to you by the Oklahoma Osteopathic Association. This is Dr. Lynn Phillips inviting you to join us next time for Episode 5, entitled The Grim Reaper and the Tomb Raider, in our series, The Life and Times of Andrew Taylor Still the father of osteopathic medicine.